I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Hebraic Bible Prophecy. This is part five of the series. So once again, the prophecy in Ezekiel 37, verse 24, David, my servant, will be king over them. That is a term for the Messiah. He's the son of David. They will have one shepherd. You see, how does Judaism refer or liken the God of Israel? How do they see him? He's the king of the universe. And what's the main identity in Christianity of Yeshua? Well, he's the good shepherd. And so it says here, they'll have one king, one shepherd. They will walk in my judgments, observe my statutes, and do them. That is to follow Torah. So the end of days, the ultimate end result of the events of the end of days has the purpose of fulfilling why Yeshua died on the tree, which is to gather the exiles of Israel. And so in order that you don't have the impression in your mind that these prophecies are about them, I have shared so far in detail the role of Yeshua to die on the tree to gather the exiles of Israel, the New Testament scriptures that relate and pertain to it, because I want you to understand these prophecies are about you. It's not about them. You see, if I give this presentation and you leave thinking that these prophecies are about them, I might as well go home right now. It's to get you to understand that Messiah is redeeming you. He has already redeemed you, redeemed your soul, that that you can spend eternity with him. But the people on the earth who are living in the earth, who are part of the last generation, are also going to be called to physically return as a part of the prophecies of the end gathering of the exiles. And that is what you need to understand. And so next what I want to explain is the eschatology of those events happening. And in order to understand that eschatology, you need to understand the 7,000 year plan of God. Because from the creation of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to the end of the Messianic era is 7,000 years of time. There is a very important biblical principle that the God of Israel told about the end of days in the very beginning in the book of Genesis. You see, in traditional Christianity, when you want to study Bible prophecy, you know what they want to open your book to? They want to go to the book of Daniel, Matthew 24, and Revelation. And if you understand the general principle that biblical history is prophecy, you know what most of the Bible is? It's a record of history. And so pretty much the whole Bible is prophecy. And the major book of Bible prophecy that explains and and gives you the foundation of Bible prophecy and explains it in a way that is expounded upon by the prophets is found in the book of Genesis. So in Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 through 11, it says, remember the former things 
of old. I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end, that is the end of days, from the beginning. And I've declared from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel will stand and I will do my pleasure. I have spoken it. When did he spoke it? In the beginning. But I will also bring it to pass. Bring what to pass? What he spoke in the beginning. I have purposed it. It's my plan and I will do it. We also see this principle in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 15. The thing that has been, that's history, is that which shall be, that's future. And that which is done, that is past, is that which shall be done, that's future. Because there's nothing that's got to happen in the future that hasn't already happened in the past, or at least in type and shadow. That which has been, history, is now. You understand what's happening now? It's already happened. And that which is, is that which already has been. Because God requires that which is past. You know, one of the reasons I believe why believers in Yeshua as the Messiah have trouble reading what we call the Old Testament is because in their mind, it's perception. It's all about boring history. How many people love studying history in high school? You know, it's boring, but it's because you don't understand what you're reading. You're reading about prophecy. You're reading about the end of days because God used history to explain what will be. Each day in creation represents 1,000 years of time. Psalm 90 verse 4. For a thousand years in your sight are as but yesterday or a day. A thousand years are but a day when it's past and as a watch in the night. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 8. Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. If you look at the genealogies that are recorded in the Bible and I have here from Adam to the flood, you will find that there is approximately 4,000 years from Adam to Yeshua. It's hard to get it exactly from the information given in the Bible, but you can come very close. And so Adam to Seth, 130 years, Genesis 5.3, Seth to Enos, 105 years, Genesis 5.6, Enos to Canaan, 90 years, Genesis 5.9, Canaan to Mahalil, 70 years, Genesis chapter 5.12, Mahalil to Jared, 65 years, Genesis 5.15, Jared to Enoch, 162 years, Genesis 5.18, Enoch to Methuselah, 65 years, Genesis 5.21, Methuselah to Lamech, 187 years, Genesis 5.25, Lamech to Noah, 182 years, Genesis 5.28-29, Noah to the flood, 600 years, Genesis 7.6. And if we continue on to Abraham, we have from Adam to Abraham, 1948 years. You know what's interesting about the number of years from Adam to Abraham? In our calendar of how we're recording time, the birth of the nation of Israel is when in our calendar, 1948. And then from Abraham to Isaac, 100 years, Isaac to Jacob, 60 years, Jacob to Egypt, 130 years. So from Abraham to Egypt, 290 years. Now, Jacob went to Egypt, Genesis 46, verses 8 and 11. Levi, who is Jacob's son, went to Egypt. Kohat, who is Levi's son, went to Egypt. And so we have Kohat being recorded as going to Egypt. Moses is the grandson of Kohat. We only have from Kohat to Amram and Amram to Moses till we have the one who brings them out of Egypt. It's only two generations. And then from Moses to the Exodus is 80 years. They were in the wilderness 40 years, in the wilderness to the death of Joshua 30 years. For the, so the wilderness to the death of Joshua, 70 years. Now we have the period of the judges. And if you look at the period of the judges, we're told from Judges to Samuel in Acts chapter 13, verse 20, 450 years. Then if we look at the reigns of the kings of Judah, beginning with Saul and then finishing up with Zedekiah, you have 513 years. 
And history tells us that the Babylonian captivity took place in 586 BC. And so if we add all this up, we come to around 4,000 years. So we can biblically validate from Adam to Yeshua 4,000 years. Now there's an illusion that Yeshua would come after 4,000 years of time in the very first book of the Bible. The very first book of the Bible, the very first chapter and verse of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, in English is, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In Hebrew, it is Breshit bara Elohim et Hashemayim ve'et Haaretz. And it consists of seven words. And if you look at the fourth word, which I have highlighted for you, it is Aleph and Tav. The first and the last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Who is Aleph and Tav? It's Yeshua the Messiah. And so the Aleph and the Tav appear as the fourth letter in Genesis 1-1, alluding to that Yeshua would come after 4,000 years of time, with, with each word representing 1,000 years of time. Yeshua is called the Alpha and the Omega, or the Aleph and the Tav in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8. The Sabbath is the seventh day of creation. Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them and on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had made. The seventh day Sabbath of creation foreshadows the thousand year messianic period. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 8 and verse 10. But beloved be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord a thousand years and a thousand years is one day so before he makes his statement he prefaces it with don't be ignorant but like Paul prefaced his statement first Corinthians chapter 10 don't be ignorant and we're ignorant about what he said following we're also ignorant about what is written here in second Peter 3 8 so one day is with the Lord a thousand years and a thousand years is one day now verse 10 but the day of the Lord how long is the day of the Lord before he tells you about the day of the Lord he says don't be ignorant that one day is with the Lord a thousand years and a thousand years is one day but the day of the Lord how long is the day of the Lord it's a thousand years but I want you to notice what he says about the day of the Lord it will come the beginning of the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night the day of the Lord starts in darkness you know what we call the darkness part of the day of the Lord? The tribulation. The messianic era begins with the tribulation because the messianic era is the day of Messiah, the day of the Lord, and it comes as a thief in the night, the tribulation, uh, and the darkness part of the day of the Lord. So why is most believers in Yeshua's Messiah got to be asleep when the messianic era begins or the day of the Lord begins? Because they've been taught that the messianic era begins when Yeshua sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives. Then we start counting a thousand years. But the day of the Lord begins as a thief in the night. It begins with tribulation. But how do we recognize that that it begins? Well, the prophets are going to give you events that happen the day of the Lord in the tribulation so that when these events happen, you can recognize that you're in the day of the Lord because initially people won't recognize they're in the day of the Lord. And that's what I'm going to be showing you is what are those events, those significant events that we can watch and know that we're in the tribulation. The Sabbath is the seventh day, Exodus chapter 20, verses 9 and 10. Six days shall you labor, do your, all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. You see, the Messianic era is a time when the earth has got to rest after laboring for six days or, or 6,000 years. You see, every time you celebrate the weekly biblical Sabbath, you're declaring your belief in the coming of the Messiah in the Messianic era because that's what it foreshadows. So the seventh day Sabbath is the day of the Lord. Isaiah 58, verse 13. If you turn away your foot 
from the Sabbath from doing your pleasure on my holy day. So the Sabbath is called my holy day and called the Sabbath the delight, the holy of the Lord honorable. So the Sabbath is my holy day or the Sabbath is the holy of the Lord or the Sabbath is the day of the Lord because that's the day when Messiah gets glorified and he's king over all the earth. It's his day. It's the day of the Lord. So the seventh day Sabbath is connected to the day of the Lord, which is associated with the Messianic era. And the darkness part of the Messianic era is the tribulation. Now let's look at some verses what the prophets describe and tell us about the day of the Lord. Isaiah 13, verse 6. How ye for the day of the Lord is at hand, it will come as destruction from the Almighty. The beginning of the day of the Lord comes as destruction, tribulation. And they shall be afraid. Pains and sorrows will take a hold of them. So what we're being told is the day of the Lord is the time of pain and sorrow. What do we call the time of pain and sorrow? Tribulation. Zephaniah 1, verses 14 and 15. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty men will cry their bitterly. That day, the day of the Lord, is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness, desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. The day of the Lord is also referred to as Jacob's trouble, or it's the darkness part of the day of the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 6 and 7. Ask ye now and see whether a man doth travail with child. Why do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail and all faces are turned into paleness? Alas, for that day is great. What day? The day of the Lord. That day. That day is what day? The day of the Lord. That day is great. There's none like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. It's the darkness part of the day of the Lord. Zephaniah chapter 1 verses 14 and 15 and Zephaniah chapter 2 verse 4 tells us that in the day of the Lord, the Gaza will be forsaken. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man will cry there bitterly. That day, the day of the Lord, is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress. Zephaniah 2.4 For Gaza will be forsaken. Do you realize in August of 2005 we saw the Gaza being forsaken, Jews being removed from their homes in the Gaza? It was and has been forsaken. Which begs the question, are we in the day of the Lord? In the day of the Lord, the land of Israel will be divided. Joel chapter 1 verse 15 Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. So in the day of the Lord, it says, I'm going to gather all nations and I will bring them down to the valley Jehoshaphat and I will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they scattered among the nations and parted or divided my land. You will see in the day of the Lord that the land of Israel gets divided and specifically you'll see the city of Jerusalem getting divided. Now I've mentioned this in the past and someone will say, well, wait a second, the city of Jerusalem already is divided. That's true because biblical history is prophecy. It's divided in part, but not in the fullness of the prophecy of the prophecy of the end of days. And so we're told that the city of Jerusalem gets divided in the day of the Lord. Zechariah 14 verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord comes and your spoil shall be divided in the midst of you and I will gather all nations against Jerusalem. So in the day of the Lord, all the nations are come against Jerusalem and the city will be taken, the houses riveled, the women ravished. Half the city will go into captivity. Captivity means be removed from where you're living. So you know what that means in modern times, Jews who are living in East Jerusalem, which is designated as the capital of a PLO state. Any Jew that lives in East Jerusalem will have to leave living their houses there and they will be forcefully removed. It says, the houses riveled, the women ravished. And once you see that happen, you see the judgment upon the nations. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. You know what the day of battle is a reference to? The day when Pharaoh and his army drowned in the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 15. That's the day of battle. So once the city of Jerusalem gets divided,
provided through a PLO state, it will result in the judgment of the nations and Yeshua the Messiah will fight against those nations as he fought against Pharaoh and his army when he drowned him in the Red Sea. We can see how Jacob's trouble or the day of the Lord or the darkness part of the day of the Lord is a time when there's judgment upon the nations in Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7 verse 11. Alas, for that day is great so that it is none like it. It is the time of Jacob's trouble. The context of Jacob's trouble. He will be saved out of it. The context, if you read all the other scriptures, is it's during this time that you have the end gathering of the exiles. That's how Jacob is saved. He's gathered from all the nations and the hunters don't put him away, cause him to cease to exist. Jeremiah 30 verse 11, for I am with you, says the Lord, to save you. Though I make a full end of all the nations where I've scattered you, yet will I not make a full end of you, but I will correct you in measure and not leave you altogether unpunished. You see, so the, the time of the end gathering of the exiles is when he's making a full end of all the nations where I have scattered you. But he says, okay, I'm judging the nations harshly, but I'm also got to correct you in measure. How he's got to correct Jews who don't believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, he's got to correct them by showing that he is the Messiah. How's he got to correct Christians who believe he's the Messiah? They're got to correct him by teaching them that they haven't been following Torah. They haven't been following certain parts of Torah. Because, you know, when you feed the widow and when, when you do good to those who are in need, you know, that's following the law. And the church does a lot of that. So they do follow the higher things of the Torah. There are just certain things that are necessary to understand the end of days that they've neglected. And because the God of Israel wants his people to understand the end of days, he wants you to be renewed to the things we haven't been doing. And the primary reason is not to fight about how we do them or to beat someone over the head because they're not doing them. The primary purpose is the understanding of those things when you do them are meant to teach you about the second coming of the Messiah and the things happening in the world. That's the purpose. And so continuing on, it's in the day of the Lord is when Babylon falls. Isaiah 13 verse 1, the burden of Babylon. Isaiah 13 verse 6, how you for the day of the Lord is at hand. In Babylon, the glory of the kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, which was by fire. And so we see that Babylon falls in the day of the Lord. But why? What's got to cause them to fall? Because there's a judgment of the nations. But why are the nations being judged? Because they're dividing the land of Israel. They're dividing the city of Jerusalem. So when you see the dividing of the land of Israel, the dividing of the city of Jerusalem, which in our day is in the form of a PLO state, judgment upon the nations as he fought in the day of battle, the fall of Babylon. Prepare and understand what that means to you, which means that's when the God of Israel has got to gather the exiles and you are a part of Messiah's family. You are part of the house of Jacob and it's Jacob's trouble. It's not Judah's trouble only. During the day of the Lord is the controversy of Zion. Isaiah 34 verse 2 and verse 8. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations and his fury upon all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them. He has delivered them to the slaughter. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance. What time is he show vengeance upon the nations? The tribulation in the year of recompenses or payback. But why is he paying back the nations? Because of the controversy of Zion. And Zion will return to the land of Israel during Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7 talked about Jacob's trouble. Verse 17 says, I will restore health unto you and I will heal you of your wound. What's the wound? The exile. What's the healing of the wound? The end of the exile. So I'm going to heal you of your wound. I'm going to end your exile. Why? Because they called you an outcast saying this is Zion whom no man seeks after. Oh, you know what they're saying today? I mean, 
funny like in our days. Um, oh, you want to believe the Bible? <laughs> uh, you're one of those right-wing radical fanatics. Oh, you want to believe in a promise that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Oh, you're a right-wing settler. Uh, you're a, a far-right extremist. And you know what the, that terminology biblically is called? An outcast. So the reason why they call you those names is because people don't like to be regarded as being on the fringe. They like to hide in the middle. So in order to get you to where they want you to be, they call you who they don't want you to be far right or they call you an extremist to try to get you to come to where they want you to be but it's in the end of days that you want to be an outcast you want to be called hey no one follows and believes what you believe psalm 102 verse 16 when the lord will build up zion he will appear in his glory so when is yeshua when is jesus going to return when he builds up zion you know there's a teaching out there that says it's called the doctrine of imminence he could come at any moment no he can't he's only got to come when he builds up Zion. When I see the building up of Zion, I know he's coming. If Zion's not being built up, then he's not coming because the building up of Zion is when he appears in his glory. But what is the building up of Zion? Psalm 147 verse 2. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. Jerusalem and Zion are synonymous terms. So the building up of Jerusalem is the building up of Zion. What is the building up of Jerusalem? He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. You know, there's been a very popular song in traditional Christianity. I know it was sung in the, the church that I attended for a long period of time. And the song is, The Lord's building up Jerusalem. He's gathering together the outcasts of Israel, healing broken hearts, binding up their wombs. You familiar with the song? You know, that song biblically is a song about the ingathering of the exiles. But how many Christians who are singing that song and so happy about singing it know what they're singing about? Very few. It is during Jacob's trouble that Israel and Judah return to the land. Jeremiah 30 verse 3. For lo, the days come, says the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people, Israel and Judah. And I will cause them to return to the land to their fathers and they will possess it. So when talking about returning to the land of Israel, it says, verse 6, this is a time that a woman is in travail and that day is great. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. So the time of Jacob's trouble is when Israel and Judah return to the land. Remember one of the ways in which this has got to be accomplished, not the only way. Because if you study all the prophecies, one of the ways it says that the exiles will return home is by a great outpouring of his spirit. The greatest outpouring of spirit that has ever been exceeding the book of Acts. But coinciding with the great outpouring of his spirit is hunters are hunting down the exiles of Israel. As we're told in Jeremiah in chapter 16, verse 16, after he sent for many fishers, you see the fisherman's been out for 2,000 years proclaiming Yeshua is the Messiah. But after that, many hunters. And the, the leader of the nation of Iran is one of these hunters that the God of Israel has raised up for the ultimate purpose to bring his people back to the land of Israel. So, in order to understand the eschatology of the end of days, you have to understand that Messianic times is referred to as the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord begins in darkness or tribulation. And the, the Bible tells us events that happen in the day of the Lord so we can recognize we're in the day of the Lord. And those events center around the dividing of the land of Israel, the judgment of the nations, the fall of Babylon, and it's known as the controversy of Zion. And the reason why there's such a worldwide controversy and the reason why it's called Jacob's trouble is because Jacob is in a battle with Esau. So therefore the tribulation is a conflict between the house of Jacob and the house of Esau. So now we have to understand that element and aspect of this conflict between the house of Jacob and the house of Esau. What are the characteristics of it and, and do we see evidence of it happening today? The end is told in the beginning. Well that's going to conclude part 5 of the series 
on the subject Hebraic Bible Prophecy. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.